We're really blessed uh, this morning to have Janie Rubri with us. Um, yeah, we consider her here as like one of our faves. <laughs> so she feels a very, I hope you feel a very warm welcome and you're among friends here um, today. And uh, Janie's going to be taking us through the, the time section of um, Simplicity, Love and Justice. Um, just as a reminder, uh, Steve last last month and um, particularly picked up on the story of the rich man who was building barns and um, he he asked us to look at maybe why he was um, building those barns maybe it was his perception of eternity or maybe there were fears that were driving um, his need for that accumulation of wealth and one of the phrases that he used that I remember was Radical generosity is the antidote to selfish living. So he really challenged us, I think, in lots of ways um, and encouraged us as well um, in our stewarding of our finances. So I'd like to pray for you, Janie, and just hand over. Feel free to get us to move around and go in the garden and everything, whatever you want us to do. We're all yours. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I'll pray, I'll pray for you. Yeah, God, we, we are really aware that everything is in your hand, God. And uh, especially time is one of those things we uh, attribute to you, God, is time. So I just pray that, um, that you speak to our hearts and minds. And that as Jamie shares with us, God, that you won't just give us knowledge, but you'll give us um, a new purpose for our time and a new um, direction for our time and a new um, vision for what our time can be and holds. Um, I just pray that as well as Jamie shares, God, that um, you will replenish her, God, that you will sharpen this talk again and again, God, that it will be something that she um, feels is fresh and new and even um, something that she can take from here, God, to other places. So bless her, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Lovely to be back and be sharing with you. Um, and what a privilege to be invited into this study that you're doing on simplicity, love, and justice. It's a real privilege. I love that concept, don't you? Great concept, isn't it? To live in simplicity, love, and justice. Easier said than done, though, eh? <laughs> Easier said than done. And um, so, yeah, today we're talking about time. Um, I think when um, I was invited, it was one of the reasons was um, because I have done some work on time, and I've written a Bible study on time, a small group work um, on time. But I would say, a bit like what exactly what Steve said, the reason I am interested in time and the reason I have this desire to think more about time is because I'm really rubbish at managing it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not here as an expert. I literally feel like I'm here with a big L plate on my you know, chest. Because um, despite the fact that I, I'm an executive coach, I help other people manage their time. You know, I, have a master's degree, you know, I've studied, you know, managing stress and time. I try to practice, um, you know, managing my time well. 
some days I get it right and some days I'm rubbish. So it just, you know, I think for all of us, <clears throat> what I would say is I think this simplicity, love and justice, I think it's an invitation. That's what I would say to you. It's an invitation from the Lord and um, let's hold it in that way. So as we think about, you know, money was the last um, session and then time, I would say this isn't about being judged. This isn't about you're getting it wrong or you're getting it right. It's an invitation to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I come up with, you know, I'll be talking through, there's some lovely stuff in the book, which I'll, your book that I'll be referring to, lots of, you know, scriptures, etc. But I just want us to start this day as we um, start to listen, you know, to my voice, to the words of others as I read them. But let us, let the spirit direct us, not me, because this isn't my work. I'm just holding some stuff. I'm going to throw some stuff out there and trust that whatever's meant to land with you will land with you and really don't feel judged. This is literally just about, let's, let's have an invitation to this simplicity, love and justice and see, see where that takes us. So time, I wonder how many times you've used that word this week. Has anybody used that word this week? Yeah, <laughs> probably more with the phrase I don't have <laughs> or there's not enough or, or <clears throat> you might have been sitting there listening to something and went, oh, this is taking too much time. I was at a brass band concert last night with my husband. So there might have been a moment there where I thought, this is actually taking too much of my time. <laughs> Being honest, I don't know who's listening to this. Sorry, brass band um, <clears throat> aficionados. Uh, but, it's, but it's true. Um, it's true. <laughs> interestingly enough, I, um, I went to an exhibition. I don't know, if, did anybody else go to the exhibition at Somerset House called 24-7? You really wanted to go. You, you did. Uh, <laughs> you didn't make the time. You did not make the time. Well, sadly, it just finished this weekend, and it's a, I have to say, I'm a real, it was brilliant. It was a really good, and it was so great, because all the, everything was 24-7. I was like, why don't we have a prayer room here? Um, anyway, I went to the exhibition, um, actually with Joy James, if anybody knows Joy James, and I just want to show you, we got the first video clip. Um, I mean, I've taken some rubbish, you photographers, I know I've got photographers in here, but this was what the first as you came in. I don't know if you can hear it. Are we able to? And so it just says, this apparatus is working hard just to keep on going, performing a routine stress test locked in a never-ending loop. We experience this test audibly as the solenoids hit the aluminum, visibly as the circuits illuminate lamps, and physically as the computer checks its components generating heat. The machine is in a constant state of self-monitoring, forcing itself, as the artist write, to constantly improve its performance without knowing what the purpose and meaning of its work is. I love that. One problematic feature of our 24-7 world is what anthropologist David Graeber calls bullshit jobs. Keeping busy for the sake of keeping things as they are. And it really struck me. I stood there for ages, and I just... I, I could picture my own mind, I could picture the lives of the people that I coach, the people, the lives that I mentor, just constantly just trying, you know, to do our best, but in lots of ways, um, overperforming. In scripture, um, you know, we know God created day and night, which we call a 24-hour day, right? You, know, you don't see that in scripture. 
a 24-hour day. That's what man has done to try and help us understand, you know, the science of the earth, in which we try to cram in as much as possible in our 24 hours. In Psalm 39, it says this. It says, show me, this might be on a, oh, it is, thank you. Show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. You have made my days a mere hand breath. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Each man's life is but a breath. <laughs> it's quite extraordinary to think about living our life in that way, that just our life is just but a breath. And yet we don't breathe. And that realization that our life is a breath, I hope, would create a desire in us to try and make the best of our lives, the best of that breath. But really, the speed at which, in the Western world, <laughs> we try and live our lives is actually counter to that, isn't it? And it's a disruptive way that we're living, a disruptive to ourselves, to our environment, we know that, and to our relationship, more importantly, with our relationship with the Lord, which I'm guessing why, you know, the writer of this, James Audgers, wanted to include time in simplicity. Because without thinking about how we manage our time, it's very difficult to have a simple life, which enables us to love, which enables us to live a, justice, um, a life of justice. Just a few more slides um, from the exhibition, which I thought particularly struck me. I love this one, Pushing Time. Does anybody ever feel like they're pushing time? <laughs> well, that was a really good... Um, illustration of what we try and do with our lives. I wonder if you did that this morning when you were trying to push time. Um, sorry? Backwards, yeah, give me more time, give me more time, yeah. yeah. I just found it really fascinating that, um, I mean, this exhibition was created because there is a, an awareness that something's going wrong. <laughs> I mean, that's why it was birthed, the, the guy that birthed the book, and then the exhibition got birthed. So it tells me that the people that we're meeting on a daily basis want something different. They want a life that's different. Um, the next slide. Oh. Those are Fitbits on a metronome. <laughs> I wonder if anybody feels like that's what their life feels like sometimes, and you change the pace you know, according to your Fitbit. <laughs> yes. Well, do you know, and actually, um, I liked it because I thought this probably depicts what we try and do, right? We, we set the metronome and then, you know, the Fitbit decides whether or not we are successful, right? People look at their Fitbit and decide at the end of the day, have I had a good day according to my Fitbit? But the um, interesting, and by the way, I don't have one because I know I would get obsessed with it. But um, what I, the little wording next to it, talked about how in organizations people are rewarding, trying to get their people to have better well-being, they get rewarded for the number of steps they do. So then they're saying, well, what people are going to do is start creating ways to get their Fitbit, to get their step count up, just to get their step, yes. And they were showing different mechanisms by which people, like you could sit at your desk going, like this, or, you know, you could have the metronome underneath your desk going, tick, 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 and then they get rewarded. So what that said to me is, the reality is we get rewarded 
for almost having a phonetic lifestyle, right? And that's, so, so we get hooked into that as Christians. Despite all the things that we know that are counter to that, we get hooked in because it's rewarded behavior, yes? When people say to you, are you busy, right? In the Christian world, um, this drives me mad, I have to say, like I go to, I don't do this so much anymore, but I used to speak at some of the big Christian conferences and you arrive and you see everybody and they're going, oh, Janie, are you busy? And I'm like, I try not to be. And then they don't know what to say, you know? <laughs> because I'm like, why are you asking me that? Is that some like badge of honor? Like, because I'm busy that I'm a good person? It's really interesting, but it's, and even now, lots of times when I see people, um, I don't, maybe I look busy all the time. Maybe that's why they're asking me if I'm busy. I don't know. Um, so let's go to the next slide. I love, I love this. Sleep more, reinvent and smile. Do you feel confused or powerless? Are you struggling in the recurring patterns in life? You're not alone. It's okay that you don't understand everything, but carry on your daily routine. Let's reorient, reorient ourselves from the noise and rest in the moment. And I don't know if you can hear. Yeah. Can you hear the whisper of your inner voice? This is at an exhibition <laughs> at Somerset House, right? That's been sold, you know, every day. I don't know how many people are going through. There are hundreds of people who are searching for a different way to live life. And I just love that question. Do you hear that inner voice? In Ecclesiastes, that's a hard one to say, isn't it? 3 1. Um, there's the verse that probably is familiar to us. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. And I wonder if we live our lives knowing that to be true, that there is a time for everything and that we don't have to make everything now. <laughs> um, yeah, challenge. So what I'd like us to do um, before I go any further is um, we talked about breathing, and one of the things I know is that... Um, Breath reminds us of time, because breath is now. So, hello. <laughs> so I just would like us to just pause and just, I want you to, um, if you can, just get your feet on the ground. And make yourself, bring yourself into this room. I know we're already in this room, and I know you're already hearing my voice, and I know we've prayed, and I know the Spirit is with us. But my suspicion is you probably come with other things on your mind either what's gone before or where you're going um, later, what's going on in the week. But I'd really like us to, um, in the spirit of just really allowing the Lord to do whatever the Lord wants to do today, let's just take two, three breaths in the your own way that you want to do that, where you just, just take some big breaths in and then just let it out. Just, just do that three times. So just help us. Can you feel the difference? Hopefully, maybe you're, you might have just felt a little muscle relax. You might have just felt something in your brain just relax a little bit. Maybe your heart went down a little bit. And as you're in this space, I want you just to look back at your week. And just think about the moments when you felt, or did you feel in control of your time? 
you push by chronos time, which is the clock time, or do you feel like you were living in kairos time, which is the eternal time? When you look back, can you remember the moments when did you pause and ask God, how should I be using my time? Or were you pushing, <laughs> just going with the clock or the Fitbit or the metronomes? <laughs> and then just think, would your week have looked or felt different if you had paused, taken a breath, checked in are your priorities, his priorities? I'm not judging, just, just notice what comes to your mind as you look back at your week and your time. You might feel the Lord going, well done. You might have a moment when you think, oh, maybe I should have paused. And as you're looking at how you spent your time in the last week and thinking about this concept of simplicity, love, and justice, did that show up? If you were doing like a pie chart of the time, what were you modeling? We're gonna listen to a song in the moment. Um, Cat in the Cradle, have we got that? Yeah. And um, what really strikes me, this is a song that was recommended in your um, study. And um, it made me really think about what are we modeling? When I ask my question to that self, you know, look back at my week, what am I modeling? Would people be attracted to my lifestyle as a Christian and become curious about why I live differently? Not sure. <laughs> I hope so. But it's something really important that we have to recognize. And I think that exhibition really made me recognize that people want to see something different. And as Christians, we have something different. And if we can think about how we model our lives and people become curious about that. They'll want to know why. And then we can tell them why, because of our uniqueness in Christ. So let's listen to this um, the song. Some of you may know it. Do all the younger people know it? I don't know. Cat in the Cradle. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way But there were planes to catch and bills to pay He learned to walk while I was away And he was talking for I knew it And as he grew, he'd say I'm gonna be like you, Dad You know I'm gonna be like you And the cats in the cradle and the silver
he'd grown up to be just like me. <laughs> One of my wake-up calls with time was um, when our, my, um, my stepson, who's li living with us, um, I think he was about 13 or 14, it was on a Saturday morning, and um, I can't remember, I suspect we were going to go out somewhere, I don't know what exactly was happening, it didn't really matter, but um, he came down the stairs, and I suspect I was in my normal frenzy, and he said, um, I hate the word time. I hate the fact that I hear you and dad all the time talking about <laughs> time. We don't have enough time, hurry up. You know, and it was really interesting. And um, I say that was a wake up call because it really was. I just thought, ugh, is that what's happening here? Do I want? The fact that our 14-year-old son is noticing and using, saying that I hate the word time. So that was when I started my recovery. <laughs> That's what I say. That's when I started my recovery from my own sickness, which is hurry-up sickness. Um, in, in your um, book by James Rogers, it says this. It says, time is God's creation and his gift to us. He has given it to us to enjoy and to use for his service it's given to each of us in completely equal amounts, which is so true, and it is hence our responsibility how we choose to conduct ourselves as stewards of our time. Simple living allows time to be the most rewarding and beautiful possession we have, helping us reach a place of wholeness and awareness of both ourselves and God. It's such a 
important resource, isn't it? Our time. And it's limited. <laughs> we can't get more of it. Um, so some of the things I'm reading from my um, book here, and this is a quote by C.S. Lewis from Mere Christianity. I don't know if any of you have read that book. It says, almost certainly God is not in time. His life does not consist of moments following one another. If a million people are praying to him at 10.30 tonight, he need not listen to them all in that one little snippet, which we call 10.30. 10.30 in every other moment from the beginning to the world is always the present for him. If you like to put it that way, he has all eternity in which to listen to the split second of prayer put up by a pilot as his plane crashes in flames. <laughs> Just such a reminder that our concept of time isn't the Lord's concept of time. And like I said earlier, you know, it really has become like a, a status symbol, hasn't it, about time. Like if you can pack so many things into time or pack so many to venture into your life. And, um, you know, even when I'm having a leisure conversation, somebody might say, oh, what are you doing next? You know, it's like, yeah, well, I'm here right now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, I just want to be here. Um, but what's really struck me, and, I, and I, put, I suppose because of my job in executive coaching as well, is what I would say is, you know, how we use our time is an expression of our values. So if somebody followed you around last week with a video camera, you know, and watched how you spent your time, and then I said to them, tell me the values that you saw this person exhibit in the week, what would they say? That would be a really interesting exercise to do, wouldn't it? What would they see? Um, what would they say our values are? So in my own um, recovery, I came up with um, a very simple model of what I think helps me think about how to, um, I suppose, use my time, my limited resource. Um, and that is looking at three elements. And it's about, for me, creating a rhythm of life. So I think, is that the next slide? Yeah. Um, so it's about saying, if I can think about each day, each week, if you like, I like to go in small chunks because that's about all I can manage. Um, where do I, you know, do I have my time for God? Do I have my time for myself? And do I have time for others? Now, I am saying this in the context of recognizing that we also have work to do, right? So this is, <laughs> this is out, you know, in, in amongst that, because that's the reality. Um, that could be paid work, unpaid work. I don't know, you know, I, my concept of work is big. It's not just what we do to get paid, but there are things that we have to do. Let me put it that way. Um, but within that, we can manage to find, and, and for me, if we can find a rhythm which embraces these three things, it's a really good, what I would just call a foundation, by which it's easier then to live this life of simplicity, love, and justice. And there's no right or wrong about this at all, right? So I'm not going to say you should be spending this much time doing this and that much time doing that, because it really isn't like that. It's saying for you, and the Lord between you, you know, how do you create a rhythm that can, um, yeah, create this lifestyle, which is much more simple and much more loving. Um, and you have, are, are demonstrating justice. So let's start with the God. Um, why? I mean, it seems so obvious. And, and in your book, um, you mostly just cover um, spending time with God, so there's quite a lot in there. Are you guys following that up in some way in your small groups or people doing that on their own? Uh, no. The reading and... 
Okay. Okay, so they don't have the books. No, no. Okay. Right, okay. Just, okay, so um, not everybody would have read what, what's in the book. But um, there's some, he really concentrates for him on the time with God, which is absolutely the right place to start. And there's some really good material in there as well. So in terms of why do we do this, of course, it feels obvious, but the only way we build relationship with anyone is through time, isn't it? So for me, it's pretty simplistic. It's like, if I'm going to have an intimate relationship with the Lord and really be able to hear from him and really be able to walk in his love and his spirit, I've got to spend time with him. Also, in relationship, we don't build trust without spending time with somebody, do we? So it's very easy to say, you know, I will trust in you alone. But if I'm not actually in an intimate relationship with Jesus, um, it's very hard <laughs> to really trust <laughs> in those moments. I think also, um, if you think about relationships where you spend a lot of time um, in whatever those relationships are, you do get to a place where you feel like you can be more vulnerable and you can confess. So again, without time with the Lord, it's really hard to get to that place where you're ready to take your clothes off, as I call it, <laughs> and really be honest, right? So it's just so, it's just so important. Also, as we spend time with the Lord, we can make more sense of his word Scripture becomes, makes more sense. Um, hopefully it can also bring us some comfort and rest if we're spending time with the Lord. Good conversation, hopefully as well. Um, our wisdom and discernment comes from that place, and of course our worship comes from that place. So what I say, of course you would agree, is it worth it? Yes. Is it easy? No? Maybe for some of you it is, some of you not. To, to fit into that, you know, that picture of all the lights going on and us trying to pushing time and, you know, our metronome is going with our Fitbits. Um, so often we'll have good intentions of spending um, time with the Lord, um, but it's not that easy. And what I really like in the book, um, and there is one here, and I've got one here too, so it might be something afterwards you want to come and look at, but I think it might be on page 21. No. On page 23, um, he talks about how it's important that there's lots of ways that you can spend time with the Lord. That it's not all about sitting, you know, down with your candle and your Bible, which is a good way. Um, but there's loads of things. You know, like he has baking in here. You know, bird life, wildlife watching, drawing. You know, painting, sports, stargazing, singing music. You know, being in nature. So there's lots of different ways that we can be with the Lord. And I think that's what I'd be saying. That's why there's no rules. I think it's it's not all about um, setting that half an hour, hour aside a day. Because sometimes, unless you're a monk, probably, <laughs> it's not always that easy to do. I do know people that are able to do that. Um, but it doesn't, that's what I'm saying, don't be judged. I think find a rhythm that works for you where you are finding your way and your time with the Lord. So what I would say, I've kind of broken it up into three um, elements, which I would just say, try and embed these. So we have in the daily. And what I would say is that is your times with the Lord, which are in those small moments, just the small, like breathing. <laughs> Sometimes I just have to stop myself and, go, you know, breathe in the Holy Spirit, right? Like just that's time with the Lord, right? It doesn't take long, does it, to do that? Um, there's those small moments when um, maybe you just go take a short walk. Like you said, go walk out in the garden. Um, it is something I often send people out um, when I'm praying, just saying, go out, just go out and see what happens. Um, taking moments of silence, 
Those are great ways to reconnect with the Lord during the day. It's amazing. I'm doing a time of silence at the moment, so I drove all the way here in complete silence because um, I'm doing some Ignatian spiritual exercises that um, I need to fast from something. So I decided for me um, I would fast from noise. And it's amazing how just even taking moments of silence can reconnect you with the, with the Lord and it transforms the situation or how you're feeling, just like we did with the breathing. You know, you could start feeling your body go, oh, right, okay. And if you invite the Holy Spirit into that, it will just make a difference into whatever circumstance you're in, um, which is really good. Um, art, poetry, you know, some people I know keep little, um, like maybe pictures of certain things that ground them back with the Lord. They just carry them with them so that it regrounds them. They're like, oh yeah, I remember who I am. <laughs> um, and then of course there's the daily stuff, the Lectio, Lectio 365, of course, from 24-7 prayers are great. But there's loads of options out there that only take 10 minutes, you know, the midday prayer, doing the Lord's Prayer. Um, so I would just say that's really important, just to make sure that you embed something in the daily, in the small moments that do that. And then there's the, the Sabbath, you know, setting aside Sabbath. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you keep Sabbath, right? Because we're not judging. Um, but I think there is something about putting something specific in your diary each week where you know that you have a chunk of time where you're going to spend that with the Lord, whether that's a walk, you know, again, doing something artistic. I don't know, whatever it might be, right? There's lots of different ways you can do that. Singing, I know my daughter, you know, it's worship. She sets time aside so that, you know, she just spends time in worship and um, when with just her and the Lord. So I, 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 but I think it's important. If we don't set it aside, what happens? It doesn't happen, does it? It doesn't happen. And it's really, really important. And that is so scriptural, isn't it? I don't have time to, to go through all the scriptures on the, on the Sabbath. Sorry? Ah, yes. This morning, that's right. Because I'm, I'm on Kronos. I'm not on Kairos. <laughs> we could go Kairos, but you might... Be, at one o'clock, be going, wait a minute, what's going on? My time said one o'clock, we were finishing. Um, and then there's the specific um, retreat times and being really deliberate on taking retreats. And again, I'm not going to get you to raise your hand, do you or do, don't you take retreats? But again, let's not be restrictive on what that means. It doesn't mean you have to go to a monastery for a day or two, although, are there some available around here? Monasteries? Drivable? Okay, so there's probably hands up who knows where they are just in case somebody wants to know okay there are some people in your community that know where some monasteries are so that that's always a good option right because you can have guided retreats or silent retreats um, and so that's a good option or you I know some people that will just say I'm going to go to a national trust place for my retreat or they will go with somebody else because they know if they go on their own that they get distracted so it doesn't have to I'm not talking about it has to be a retreat on your own, because for some people, I know that doesn't work. Um, but I would say, um, kind of a rule of thumb, is you should probably have at least a couple of retreat days a year where you do something different, right? I'm not, whatever that might be, but that you have them in your diary. And I speak from experience, because if I don't put them in my diary, I swear to you, I get to the end of the year and go, which I did last year, which is probably why I'm talking about this so long, I went, Oh my goodness, I did lots of good things. I held prayer retreats. I did my own retreats with other people, but I didn't actually go on a retreat myself, right? So I am this year because I didn't feel very good about the fact that I hadn't done that and I'd got to the end of the year, which is so true. Which, you know, because the thing is, again, this isn't like, let's do this because it's a discipline and it, it's going to hurt us. 
if we spend time with God, it just brings us such pleasure and joy and refilling and refueling. And, you know, so it's like, why don't we? <laughs> why don't we? Because it really does bring us such, such delight. But it's about pausing, isn't it? And with all of these things, I'll be saying the same thing. What is your heart's desire? Because if the desire of your heart is to seek after this relationship with your loving Lord, then surely you want to spend time with him. <laughs> surely that should be a priority, if that is really the desire of your heart. Yeah? We make time for what we want to make time for. It's true. <laughs> I can say, I need to do the garden. I don't like doing gardening. Do I ever make time to do the gardening? No, it's not my heart's desire <laughs> to do the gardening. <laughs> um, but it is very interesting how we can make time for the things that we really want to do. So my question to you this morning would be, do you really, that's the first question, do I really desire, do I really desire to spend time with the Lord above anything else or anyone else? So if I don't, why not? What, what's going on there? What am I afraid of, maybe? What am I fearing? It's a little bit, you know, sometimes fear will stop us from being present because we might think he might disclose something. But he's such a gracious God. Don't ever fear that. He's such a gracious God. And then if you really do have that desire, what is stopping you? What are the obstacles to you doing that? What are you telling yourself? What's the world telling you? <laughs> What's really, really stopping you? And I would say, be really honest with yourself. Be really honest with yourself. What's really stopping me from doing those things? And are they valid or not? You know, they may or may not um, be valid. And then my third question to you would be, of those things in the daily, the Sabbath, the retreat times, as I spoke those out, which of those did you go, oh, that's probably, you know, kind of you get a... <laughs> That's probably something I need to pay more attention to. So just notice that as well. Remember, this is, you know, we're in the spirit here. So it may be that only a very small element of that sat with you. But just think about that. Is it in the daily? Um, do I need to be more deliberate about taking my Sabbath? Um, <coughs> do I need to maybe find out how to take retreat um, and explore that a little bit more, whatever that might mean? Um, there's a great book by Ruth Haley Barton about retreating and it's fantastic because she also has exercises in there that help you do your own retreats you know so it's fantastic really recommend it um, if that cool. Ruth Haley Barton I think it's called Re Solitude and Retreat I think but that might be two different books by Ruth Haley Barton <laughs> might be getting those mixed up but Ruth Haley Barton there is definitely one about retreats um, and it's everybody I know that uses it, finds it a really, really, really helpful tool. So I just want to pause there before we move on to the next section um, and just ask you to turn to somebody next to you or in twos or threes and just say what just jumped out at you, what hit you, what are you thinking about? Just two or three minutes, just really so we kind of, before we move on to the next thing, just notice um, what became stirring in you um, about this area around spending time with God. Twos, threes, fours, whatever, whatever works in terms of... 
I'm going to gather you um, back together. Any reflections anybody wants to share with the community? Just again, it's only if you think it might be helpful. Yeah, Phil. Thanks. I feel like I'm a really disciplined person. I could do a really thorough job of partitioning my time out into those three circles. Yeah. 
sure I was doing every single thing on the list and actually do that without too much stress because I'm good at that sort of thing. But somehow that still wouldn't feel like life. It would feel like I was a well-oiled machine and I'm not convinced God wants me to be a well-oiled machine. Exactly, so yeah. What I long for is for those three to come together such that every moment of my life is something that glorifies God, brings life Brilliant. to me and blesses others. Yeah. Yeah, and I like the fact, exactly, that's what I was saying at the beginning. This isn't like another exercise, like in a time, man this is not like a time management workshop where you'd say, let's all have perfect uh, organized calendars. This is about where the desire is and why am I making, you know, I can do all those things, but am I doing it from the right place? Is my heart in the right place? And I think that's what you're saying. The desire is to get my heart. And as we continue through the different elements, I think we'll get different challenges feed into exactly what you're saying um, because I can do it but am I doing it for the right reasons and am I actually in it or am I just doing it as a tick box ex exercise because I can do all those things it's a good challenge thanks yeah yeah Quark. yeah God self and others yeah yeah Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, it's just saying, can we live a life in which those things do intersect and they're not just like separate activities? Yeah, which isn't easy. That's why we're having this conversation. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It is being. It's just being, yeah. 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 <laughs> probably because it's like a new thing you're trying to also embed. Yeah. yeah. Probably when it starts, yeah. And that's probably why sometimes we just go, oh, it's too hard. <laughs> it's just too hard. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the observation we just made or?
Yeah. 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 Probably more reflective. Yeah. The way I look at it, it's like creating space. I like to use the word space, not time. So for me, it's creating space for God, creating space for myself. Um, and um, when Sally talks about coming to a retreat at my house, really what we do is create space. You know, that's really what we're doing is just creating space for ourselves and for the Lord to turn up and then see what he does. Yeah. Yes. I go with that desire. Yeah. Yes. And it makes a big difference, doesn't it? Yeah. It's very, very powerful. So just noticing in my spirit as I spoke it out, it was something that I went, oh, that's interesting in this community. You know, so I just think there probably is. So I went and spoke to Sally about that because I just felt a little bit of a stirring for the community when I started talking about retreats. So let, let's that sit as it does. Um, interesting, I did creating space for self next rather than others, right? And um, that's very intentional for me because I think one of the things I've learned, particularly if you um, have this very strong desire for justice and serving others, which you do as a community, um, often we forget about self. And for me, that's already another strong foundation of of our um, ability to live this life to the full, you know, as we've been talking about. Because we can't actually sustain ourselves without looking after ourselves. And we do have a temple that we've been given to look after. But we get these messages, don't we? Don't be selfish. Um, you must serve others. Uh, my husband was taught this um, in, in Sunday school. He was taught this song that said, was it Jesus first, others second, myself last? You know, so that was really drained into his belief system around that. You've had that too? Yes. <laughs> that's right. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that um, makes it, anyway. Um, there's some truth. There is some really good truths in that. But what, what can happen is that we create an unhelpful belief system, don't we, around that um, all of that has to come. And then we get this little grain, you know, a little, little tiny grain for ourselves. But that's not sustainable, and then we're not really being our best. Um, and we can also then become martyrs, can't we? Has anybody been a martyr? If only they knew. If only they knew. Um, Henry Nguyen, in his book called The Inner Voice of Love, says this. Your unique presence in your community is the way God wants you to be present to others. Different people have different ways of being present. You have to know and claim your way. That is why discernment is so important. Once you have an inner knowledge of your true vocation, you have a point of orientation. That will help you decide what to do and what to let go of, what to say and what to remain silent about, when to go out, when to stay home, who to be with and who to avoid. When you get exhausted, frustrated, overwhelmed, or run down, your body is saying that you are doing things that are none of your business. <laughs> I like that. God does not require of you what is beyond your ability, what leads you away from God, or what makes you depressed or sad. God wants you to live for others and live that presence well. <laughs> Doing so might include suffering, fatigue, and even moments of great physical and emotional pain, but none of this must ever pull you away from your deepest self and God. I really love that um, message that Henry Nguyen leaves with us. So there's an and, it's not saying, you know, it's gonna be easy, but there's an and of it's okay to look after ourself. 
Um, oh, and Bonhoeffer. Sorry, I had another quote there from Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, another one of our theologians, says this. Let him who cannot be alone beware of community. Let him who is not in community beware of being alone. Each by itself has profound perils and pitfalls. One who wants fellowship without solitude plunges into the void of words and feelings. And the one who seeks solitude without fellowship perishes in the abyss of vanity, self-infatuation, and despair. Um, and what I really like about that is it's not an either or. It's saying, yes, community and some self-care, right? That the, the two can be go hand in hand. Um, I was in Brazil once doing some work for the Salvation Army, and I was watching the TV, which I tend to do to try to understand the language. I think that's a really good way to embed yourself in the language. And um, all of a sudden, this picture came up of a building in Rio, a big apartment building that had literally that day just, the foundations had just disintegrated. So nobody knew that there was any cracks in the foundations. So it was a big shock. It wasn't like, you know, peop sometimes people were going, oh, we knew that building was going to fall, or whatever. There was this huge shock that this, you know, what looked to be like a solid structure just literally just crumbled. It was an incredible picture. That's why it sticks in my mind. It's always stuck in my mind. And it just reminded me of that's how it, it can be for us as well. Because if we're not doing self-care and our time with the God, for me, these things go hand in hand, by the way, is that we're not building up those foundations appropriately. And so that when things do, when the wind comes and the storms come, we don't have the ability to be able to... Um, withstand them. And for me, self-care is so critical to this because it is about being our best selves. That's what it said in Henry Nguyen. And for me, that's what it is about being my best self, whatever that self is. I love the way he says, you know, there's no rules about what that best self is, but you'll know when you're being your best self and when you're not being your best self. And without self-care, it's very, very difficult to be our best selves. Would you agree with that? Yeah. We can keep going, lots of us can keep going, and you might have lots of adrenaline and lots of energy and you might be really fit, but if the foundation starts wearing away, eventually the building will crumble. And you may have experienced that or seen other people experience that as well. So I've got some um, yeah, thoughts around how to do that. The first one is slow down. I think Emmaus Road is doing a whole series, aren't they? There's somebody that's written, a Christian that's written the book on the what we call the hurry up sickness, which is what I have. And um, there is just something. Today I challenged myself about driving in the slow lane. Well, didn't do it all the way. <laughs> I did pretty good. I did better than usual. But it was really interesting just experiencing that. Of, for me, that, that is, a, for some of you, that might not be a challenge, right? It's not, I have, don't have to be in the fast lane, by the way. You know, I'm not the one that has to be in that lane either. But just staying in the slow lane was very interesting. And what started happening to me, I was like, oh, and slowly, okay, you can do this. Breathe, <laughs> stay in the slow lane. It was really, but, and I think that is part of it, isn't it? Because we're just trained. It, it's, it's like a countercultural. When you go to Africa, has anybody spent any time in Africa? Yeah. Yeah, you call it Africa time, don't you? It's like, <laughs> and the, went there again with the Salvation Army. It's like there was this big thing happening at 11.30. Well, that was African time. You know, but nobody bothered. It's just like, we'll sing, we'll dance, and eventually whatever's going to happen is going to happen when it's meant to happen. It was, it's, I just love it. It's a, it's a really good lesson in that. But one of my biggest lessons, and I don't know if I've told this story before, because I think I always end up talking about my mother when I'm here, but um, one of my challenges was my mother and I are very different, and um, my mother is good at being slow. And in fact, on her, she's passed away 
gosh, 15 years ago now. But on her, even on her answering phone message, she'd say, oh, hello, this is Nancy. Um, I hope you have a good day and go slow. That was her message, right? <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, I know you're really good at going slow. And for me, that was always like, what? you know, like even when I was on holiday there and we'd be going, what are we going to do today? You know, and she'd be just up sitting, doing her daily meditations. And I'd be like, okay, we'll go do this, 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 you know, and I'm like having these lists of things to do. And she'd be like, okay, you know, and she'd be like that. And then I would always be like, what is my mother doing? What's my mother doing with her life? I don't know what she's doing. She just seems to be sitting in her lounge and I don't know what she's doing. And I, you know, somebody with the hurry up sickness and all the other attachments I have in my life then. I've got better now, I'm recovery. Um, and then when she passed away, um, her, she's a recovered alcoholic. And when she passed away, we were in her, uh, her community invited me very kindly, invited the three of us, my siblings as well, to um, her memorial with the AA community, which was a real honor. So we went to that, where they just wanted to share stories about my mother and then story after story was you could go sit with Nancy and just be present. You could fall asleep. It wouldn't matter if you needed a chat. She would chat. She never judged you and she was just available. And I was like, oh, that's what you're doing with your time. You're being present. <laughs> and look at the impact. Story after story of how their lives were transformed by my mother just being present in her lounge. That was, a, that was my, one of my second wake-up calls around time. I was like, oh, I see. <laughs> I don't have to be running around saving the world, actually. There's other ways to do that. And there's an and, right? So I'm not saying her way's right and my way's wrong. I'm just saying it was a really good lesson to remind me that by slowing down, that was self-care for her, right? As part of her recovery. But actually, it helped others have self-care as well. You know, that impact, that, that different lifestyle. What are we modeling? Right? What are we modeling? Um, sleep. Yeah. <laughs> you can buy loads of books. One of my favorites is Tired But Wired, the number of clients that I have to give that book to. Tired But Wired, yeah. There's so much about sleep now, isn't there? So, you I mean, you can go on the internet. I mean, there's articles, there's books. Um, and it's just the, the lifestyle that we've created, the chemicals we're putting into our bodies, they're all counter to sleep. Right? We've done this to ourselves. Nothing's happening, you know, it's what we're doing to ourselves that is stopping us from sleeping. Um, we could do a whole two hours just on sleep. But what I would say to you is if this is an area that you know that you're struggling with, start getting some help with it because you can get help with it. And we do need to sleep. We do need to sleep. It's absolutely vital for us to be our best selves. And I know for some people that have illnesses that, you know, stop them. We have somebody that, you know, lives with us that it's part of her illness that she can't sleep, um, but she finds other ways to rest. You know, so it, it isn't, I'm not saying that, oh, if you're not sleeping seven or eight hours a night, you know, you're not going to sustain yourself. It might be harder. And it, so it's not about judging, right? I, I always have to say that because it's really important, but it's noticing that you do have to find a way to get sleep. And if for you chemically that, you know, isn't possible, then you find ways of resting where you're allowing your brain to do what it needs to do when it's sleeping. It's hard not to do it if you're not sleeping, but I just don't want you to feel really judged if, you know, you, if it's a chemical thing that you're not sleeping. But if you're not sleeping, I would say, talk to somebody, find somebody that can help you, think about your diet, what you're eating, it all has an impact, what you're doing, putting your technology down, you know, you'll, um, 
you do know that, don't you? That you have to put your technology down like an hour before you want to sleep. Otherwise, the blue lights and the technology keep you awake. So there's, all, there's lots of things you can do. Um, but I would say that is part of our temple, keeping our temple self-care. Um, solitude. Some of you will be really good at being on your own, is my guess. I've got a 16-year-old grandson at the moment. He's great at being on his own. <laughs> Every now and again, he comes out, says hello. Um, <laughs> you, you can relate to that. He did on Friday night for Fish and Chip Shop, but that was lovely. Um, but there is something, again, about our culture that can also encourage us to think this isn't a good thing, that solitude isn't a good thing. And this ties into our time. For me, you know, this is about time with God as well. But there is something about... Ooh, having time with ourself. That can be a bit scary. I just have time with myself. What's going to happen? Do I even like myself? Do I want to be with myself? You know, sometimes when I'm talking to my clients, they're like, ooh. <laughs> Being with myself, I don't know if I like myself. It's really sad, isn't it? But it's true. You know, they'll be like, I'll be like, well, you're not going to get to like yourself until you start spending some time on your own um, without getting all the other noise from everyone else. Uh, Richard Foster, um, who is an expert on spiritual disciplines, um, says this, but loneliness or clatter are not our only alternatives. We can cultivate an inner solitude and silence that sets us free from loneliness and fear. Loneliness is an inner emptiness. Solitude is an inner fulfillment. Solitude is more of a state of mind and a heart than it is a place. And I think... For me, that's really important because it isn't just like, oh, I'm going to go spend time on my own. It's about, am I comfortable <laughs> having inner solitude where I feel secure in who I am, who I am in Christ, um, who I'm meant to be, those sorts of things. So that there's that, when I'm, I'm doing this because it's literally an inner connection between my, my head and my heart and my body where that's, I can be present in that solitude of that. Um, and that does take work as well. And again, Ruth Haley Barton is very good at writing about solitude, if that's something you think you need to follow up on. And then there's silence. Um, practicing silence, being in silence. Very hard in our world these days, isn't it? It's really interesting. As I said, I'm practicing at the moment. It's really hard because <laughs> it feels like there's always something that can um, distract us or very quite a lot easily very easily. Um, has anybody been in the desert before? Had that privilege of being in the desert? No. Um, I've had the privilege a couple of times of being in the desert and it really made sense of why the Lord would send people to the desert or why Jesus would go to the desert because it is, it is a bit unnerving because if you're there, there's literally nothing to distract you. You're like, oh, you do feel quite naked. Um, but it's so powerful because it just makes you just be because there's nothing else. There's not a bird, you know, if you're really in the desert, there's not even a bird sound or anything. But so much in scripture, it's really incredible when you start looking, um, uh, particularly with Jesus. So in Luke 4, 42, um, daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. Um, in Mark 1:35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. When Jesus was going to choose his disciples, what did he do? He went out to the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. And then when, then when morning came, he called to his disciples. But he went away first in solitude. Um, after John the Baptist had been beheaded, um, Jesus' reaction was he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary 
place. In preparation for his death, Jesus went with his disciples to Gethsemane and he said, sit here while I go over there and pray. So even in the busyness of Jesus going about the Father's business, constantly just drawing himself away into a solitary place where he knew he was going to get renewed and refreshed. And he didn't go for days. It never, well, one day, 40 days he did. <laughs> but mostly it was just, I know that I need solitary time on my own and with my Father. So my challenge would be to you, how often do you do that? Do the silence and the solitude. I put those two together because I think they often can come together. And then like we talked about already, Sabbath is really important. Um, again, this doesn't have to be um, Sabbath of you know, not doing anything. You might take a Sabbath of, you know, like I said, of a walk on the beach or a Sabbath of going to look to art or you're going to read a book of poetry. You know, it doesn't really matter. Um, I don't want to talk in 24 hours you're going to be doing that, but it's just about taking that time aside for yourself. And I always call it renewal time. For me, that's what it is. It's all about renewal. Um, and then the last one that I've talked about, which is what I would say, you could fit this into any of these um, categories, particularly when you're looking at Sabbath and what renews me. There's activities, I call them using the senses, because I think that's what renews us, is when we use, do activities that, you know, we're either touching something, maybe you're making something, maybe you're eating, maybe you're visualizing, seeing something, it might be using your voice, yeah, you might, people that like singing, um, that, that can be part of this. Anything that physically, emotional, uh, puzzles, you know, some people like doing puzzles, don't they? Because it's like they want to, um, a renewal activity would be using their mind. And, um, but it's whatever, physical, emotional, mental, or emo um, what touches our souls, yeah? Those are renewal activities. And when I'm talking to my clients about resilience, this is a big area that we talk about, is where do you get your renewal from? Because so many of my clients are in survival mode, is what they would say. You know, I'm surviving, but without renewal, that's when we get into burnout. And the renewal is the personal time, the self-care. What am I doing for my own self-care so that I can sustain the things that I'm being asked of? Um, and so just have a think about that. What do you do for your own renewal? So here's the questions I want you to think about. How easy it, it, is it for you to allow time for yourself? If you look back at this week that I just asked you to look at, how easy was it to set aside time for yourself? And then in which of those areas do you think you need to pay more attention to? Is it the slowing down? Is it the sleep? <coughs> is it solitude and silence? Is it more um, descriptive time around Sabbath and taking more time for your renewal activities? So have a little bit of think about that and then the same thing, talk you know, with the people around you about what particularly struck you about this time for self, creating time for yourself.
Okay, I'm gonna, sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna have to draw you back. <laughs> wow, the energy really went up when the, that, having those conversations. <laughs> really interesting. Any reflections? I can hear you really like chatting away there. Yeah, Scott, thanks. In the different categories, yeah. Thank you, yeah. I don't know if everybody heard that. Shall I repeat that? I'll just repeat that for the tape. It's, it's just reminding yourself that a renewal activity, if you do a physical job, then maybe your renewal activity isn't physical. Um, or if you're doing a mental job all day, do something different because that will bring you renewal because it's about the senses. You know, It's about making sure that we're expressing or touching or somehow getting all the senses met. That brings us renewal. That's where we get our renewal from. Just, and even breathing, that really works well. <laughs> yeah. I think sometimes we go to like crazy stages in our life. So true. Because I remember with the silence, the first time I had all my children at school, like preschool, <laughs> I was alone in the car. Mm. I was like, oh wow, like I started <laughs> meditating. I remember going to Lakeside. And I could actually, I was actually meditating. I would, and I thought, wow, I haven't done this in the car for a long time. No respect to you. <laughs> 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 Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's why it's not about, I really want to keep emphasizing, don't judge yourself because it isn't, isn't it about what, you know, I'm doing or you're doing. It really is saying what's available to me and what, what am I using with my available time? That's all, right? Everybody's got different available time. I'm talking about just let's put things some out there and see what the Lord, and it, it's lovely, isn't it, that in that moment he was reminding you. That's all he was doing. It wasn't like going, oh, you should have been having silence before. It was just like, oh, look, this is available to you now. Yeah. So how am I going to use that silence? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Any other reflections? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even in a day. Yeah, absolutely. And then what happens when we allow ourselves to do that? What do you notice? What do I notice? Uh, I, I actually enjoy it. Yeah. Sometimes I don't enjoy it. Because <laughs> you realize all the things that you've not thought or not done. <laughs> so then you start judging. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It does take us a while just because we're being wired all the time. So that's what I would say to you. If that's something that you're feeling drawn to is the silence and the solitude, it does allow yourself to, it's like a practice. 
you'll do a little bit at a time, and then you'll get a bit more used to it. It's very interesting when you first go on a silent retreat, if you choose to do that, it's very interesting. And by the end of it, you're like, oh, can I just stay here forever? <laughs> but at first it's like, oh, I can't do this. Any other observations before I move on? It's just nice to hear. Oh, did you have something, Charles? Yeah, Char? I just say, so when I look at what brings me life and what makes me more alive, mm. I actually don't know. Ah. So then, then I get like, then I get like crisis, and I'm like, ah, should I try and paint? But I'm not really good at painting, or should I do mm. this? But I'm not really very good at that. And really, what brings me life is people, probably. Right. But I also need to find something for myself. So I think I'm still really searching yeah, for that. Good, yeah. If I'm being honest. Yeah. Ask the Lord; He'll probably start. <laughs> I'll be writing songs and Yeah, maybe. You never know. You never know. You never know. So from that place, it is true that we also need to, you know, create space for others and the simplicity, love and justice, isn't it? It's about doing that whole thing. So we want to be thinking about I don't think I suspect just from what I know of you, and I don't know you all, that's probably not a challenge for this community is creating space for others. Um, there is a bit of scripture that um, one of my favorite bits of scripture, which is Galatians 5.13, which is, says this, Beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. Sorry, can I get that slide up? Yeah. <laughs> He's trying to do too many uh, things. Trying uh, to do too many things. We missed that. Yeah. There we go, yeah. Beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit, but don't view this wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. Freedom means that we become so completely free of self-indulgence that we become servants of one another, expressing love in all we do. That's a great translation, isn't it? Freedom means that we become so completely free of self-indulgence that we become servants of one another, expressing love in all we do. And I think this speaks a little bit to what you were saying, Phil, that like you could make it a task to serve others, but is that because it's meeting a need, you know, we can, or ticking off my box, like I've done it, or... Is it meeting a need in me? Whereas if we are actually submitting, completely submitting, which is a spiritual discipline, Richard Foster talks about this, this outward discipline of submission. And he says, with every discipline is a freedom. And what freedom corresponds to submission? It's the ability to lay down the terrible burden of always needing to get our own way. <laughs> yeah. Um, the obsession to demand that things go our way is, is one of the greatest bondages in human society. And it's so true, isn't it? So I think, for me, it's not about necessarily making time for others, which is a good thing, and I think probably a lot of us do that. I, is our, my challenge is, are we present yeah. when we're doing it? Mm. Are we actually present? I'm good at making time for others, right? I've got the, you know, I can do that. Like, you know, if I was saying, I can make the time, put it in my diary. But am I actually present? Am I actually there with that person or that situation that I'm in? Or am I going, right, I've allocated in my Kronos time two hours for this you know, conversation. And am I thinking, okay, I've got two hours. Am I actually, or am I thinking, oh, but that means I've got to travel, got to get to Guildford for three o'clock. You know, am I really, really present? And what sort of difference does that make? And for me, I think this is one of our challenges of society today is about being present. And I suspect, you know, I'm not, I think as a community, you know, I see you great at creating space for others. I think you're 
you know, there's so many examples of that. I don't need to go on a, a, about that. But I think there's also about, there's big space and little space. I think it might be the next slide, because I've jumped around a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I think for me there's two, two I've called them steps, but maybe it's two elements rather than steps. But there's the first part for me, which is around um, creating space for others, like in the small moments as well. You know, like we have somebody that lives with us who has mental health issues, and in my, you know, I've got my three things I'm meeting today, my God, my space, you know, myself, my others, you know, I've got my day planned, and then she'll start a conversation with me, and then I have to remind myself this is important, right? I'm not saying every conversation that she might start is important, but there'll be moments when your spirit kind of goes, oh, you need to listen, and then I have to literally ground myself. I say that all the time, but I literally have to go, Janie, stand, because I've got hurry-up sickness, remember? So I'm like, okay, stand, breathe, listen to what she has to say, have a conversation, make eye contact. You know, not like, that's really interesting. I'm just getting the dishes out of the dishwasher. <laughs> How was that appointment yesterday? That's great. I'm just going to make a guilty, right? I've done it. You know, I can do that very easily. But just saying, no, I'm just going to, and it could take two or three minutes. But in those small moments, having space for others, just really, really taking them. And it, and it literally can be two or three moments. And then there is the big moments, making sure that, again, you make time for the big moments as well when there might be. And these might, for me, these are things that, mean that you have set aside the time and making sure that you pay attention. I do this on a weekly basis. Uh, Stephen Covey's done a great book on first things first, um, and it is a model that I use, but I don't like using all the material. But what I do like, I love this concept of thinking about my week and going, what are the most important things this week? One might be, grandson would probably really like me to be at his football little presentation at the end of the football club. You know what I mean? And saying, that doesn't seem significant, probably, probably for him that's really important. You know, so for him that's a big moment. Although he wouldn't think, and just going through my week and going, oh, what are the absolute, and with the Lord, you know, sometimes I don't do it with the Lord and then I really mess up. But if I take the time to be with, in the presence of the Lord and say, you know, what are the priorities this week? What do I need to be looking at? Who do I need to be paying attention to? Because I could make it up in my own head really easily. Um, and then he has this great... I don't know if any of you have listened to his talks or read his books, but he has this great illustration of putting the big stones in first. So if you're filling up a jar, so it's what are the most important things and making sure that those are set aside and that I'm present for those. And then there's the unexpected moments, which is a little bit like the small moments as well, but just the things that you aren't expecting but are important, because those come up as well, aren't they? And then you have to judge that with the Lord. Okay, right, do I take the Syrian Mahmoud to the hospital to A&E today? You know, or do I need to stay with this appointment that I was meant to have, right? Because my, you know, I can almost also be a good rescuer. This happened to me on a Monday, so this was a real situation. Um, and I got involved in something I shouldn't have got involved in because I was on my way to a funeral. This is true. So <laughs> this is when I got it wrong because then I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to resolve this situation with Mahmoud. And, uh, but I'm on my way to a funeral. <sighs> you know, started really being quite frenetic. And then the Lord was like, I've got this. I've got this. Lay it down. You go to the funeral. You be at the funeral. And then, you know, discovered later on the day, you know, somebody else stepped up, took Mahmoud to the hospital, and everything was okay. Um, but I really did catch myself getting hooked into... So, so some of us have other hooks, right? I talk about my hurry-up one. Sometimes some people have a hook called we call pleasing others. You know, you're trying to please everyone. Um, other people have a hook that's called be strong. 
so I have to be strong for everyone, so that interferes with my time because everybody needs me to be strong. Um, that might be, and then pe be perfect. That's another little hook some people have. So their time gets railroaded by trying to be perfect and trying to get everything right. And so the, the, you have, it's just good to know for yourself what that might be. So more as important, so it's not really a step for me. It is about being present. Uh, you know, we've got those two great examples Interesting, they're both women, but that's not intentional. But you have Mary of Bethany, you know, sitting at the feet of Jesus. You know, when that's the famous story when Martha was running around. And then you have Mary Magdalene right there in front of the cross, just being present, right in the pain, right in the pain. And not, you know, steering away from that. So this spa creating space for others for me is about just being present with people. It's going back to that story with my mom, just being present and finding ways to do that. Um, is there a proverb next? There we go. Oh, that saying. Okay, good. Oh, I changed it. I'm very impressed that I switched it around because that's what I wanted. Um, this is a saying that I use when I'm um, doing leadership development training um, with Christian leaders. When I am present, his presence permeates the present. So if I can just be present, his presence will permeate wherever I am and be in the present. If I am not present, what happens? They don't feel the presence, do they? If I'm not, if I'm not giving you eye contact, if I'm, I don't know if you're in, you know, or I'm thinking about something else or doing something else. Um, yes, I'm listening, <laughs> tapping away at my iPad <laughs> or my phone or whatever it might be. Um, his presence isn't present. I'm not saying his presence goes away from us, right? Because we're in Christ and Christ is in us. But does his presence outflow from me? Very difficult if I'm not present for his presence to come out of me. And I really think this is a countercultural in the West. About other cultures, you go, you go have coffee with people, you sit with coffee, you know, two hours. I know it's really hard for the Syrian family. We've helped to, you know, resettle a refugee family, and they find it really. I'm sure they find it really difficult that we come, yes, we'll come for, you know, I'll come for tea. And then I'm like, right, just got to go. <laughs> She's like, really? <laughs> Looking at me where I think I've already been present. I've sat there for ages. But in her culture, it would just be like, oh, I thought you were here for the morning. Or, you know, I thought you were here for the afternoon. Or, you know, whatever it might be. And it's been really helpful for me to understand that and just reminding myself how in the Western culture, particularly in the Southeast, I'm going to probably talk about the South of England is probably more like that. If you go to Wales, you know, our neighbor comes over and there is no time. There is no time for him. He doesn't have time. <laughs> he lives in the middle of Wales, in the middle of nowhere. And I love it because he'll just come and we're just, and then I have to breathe and go, okay, I no long, don't know how long Jimmy's going to be here, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I have to really tell myself that. This is a confession. It's true, though. I'm just like, just breathe. It's going to be lovely. you know. But I have to remind myself going, Jimmy has no concept of time. <laughs> he might be here for three hours. He might be here for 15 minutes. You know, but It's just whenever he feels like it's ready to go, then Jimmy goes. It's, it's, it's lovely. Um, but it's so important when we're creating space. And then we have this Proverbs. Is that there? Yeah. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And this is something that I try and remember all the time. Where my heart is, my actions will follow. <laughs> so if my heart is with you, if my heart is saying, I want to give space to you, then my actions will naturally follow. But if I'm doing it because I think I should or I have to, people will notice, won't they? 
they'll notice. They know. They know. I remember one of my challenges was um, I wanted to, like, oh, I should really do the drop-in, right, at our my local Salvation Army that I, I'm a member of. It's like I should. I really should do the drop-in. I really believe in, you know, helping the homeless. And I love the conversations I have. And so then I was trying to squeeze it in on a Friday, which really isn't very convenient for me. But I was like, but I must do it because it's the right thing to do. You know, we're supposed to be doing this. And then the Lord was like, yeah, but that's not really your job. <laughs> Going back to that quote I said earlier, that's not really your business. <laughs> You're a good prayer. Why don't you switch it around so that you make sure that that is one of your prayer points? That's probably going to serve that better than you being there, trying to be somebody that you're not or trying to do something that you're not because of the shits and the odds, right? So the, the intention was there. That's what I'm saying. Good intention, serving others, doing But it was like, ah, that's not your business. That's somebody else's business. So why I'm saying that, I think, is because I think the lessons I've learned, I'm going here because I think you feel it. You kind of feel if you're trying to do things that are, that are not your business, and you're trying to serve others in that way, you'll feel it yourself, like there'll be tensions or you'll feel the stress, you, you know, be like heavy-headed or heavy bat, you know, whatever, wherever you feel your stress. Um, but if you're living in that freedom of doing the right things for the right people in the Lord's spirit, it will feel very, very different. I love this prayer. It says, giver of life, giver of our nights and days, giver of this moment now. <laughs> living in the now. There's a new watch. I don't know if you've seen it. It actually says, apparently says now on it. <laughs> and that's all it says. <laughs> it's like, I probably need that. You know, just look down. What time is it? It's now. <laughs> it's just now. <laughs> you don't need to know what time it is. You can get it online. <laughs> apparently somebody, somebody saw somebody with it and I was like, oh. But I don't need another watch, so I'm not going to Um As tempting as that is. So let's ask ourselves, do you find it easy to make time for others are hard. And if it is hard, why is that? Um, and should you be making more space for others? Um, if you do find it easy and you do find that, do you feel you take too much time, space for others to the expense of yourself? But if you are good at creating space for others, how are you at being present? How are you at being present? Again, let's just take five minutes if you want to think about that on your own, introverts, if you want to do that, and extroverts, if you want to talk, that's great. Um, <laughs> if you're on the borderline, you'll be wanting to do a bit of both. You're like, oh, I want some time on my own, and then talk to somebody. So just take five minutes, process that a little bit, talk to somebody else if you want. If you want to get up and talk to somebody different, do that as well if you want to get up, because we've been sitting for a while, and talk to somebody different, do that. You might even want to stand and talk. Um, we've got about another, what, yeah, 20 minutes or so, so... However you want to just process that and see what comes up from that conversation. Yeah. So is it easy or hard to t take time for others? Um, do you think you should be doing more of that or less of that? But if you're doing it as well as you think you should be, are you present when you do do it? All right. Let's have a little think and a talk. Do stand up if you want to.
Okay, let's um, bring ourselves back together. Any thoughts about this, about the creating space for others or the being present? Yeah. Keeping the attention, you mean? Yeah. Because you won't be present. Well, that's good. I think that's good discernment. I think that's quite wise. Why don't what 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 stops us from being present then? Why is it hard? Yeah. So yeah, so there literally are other things that are going to demand your attention. Yeah, yeah. What else? What? It's really hard to be present. But why? What? What happens for us? Right. So if you're a list person, you're thinking about what else is on the list. Yeah, what's next, what's next, yeah. Because it's a rewarded behavior, isn't it? Like, oh, how much have I achieved today? It's like, oh, I get a reward for achieving more in a day. I'm not quite a list person. Right. With them. Oh, brilliant! That's lovely. Yeah. I'm kind of an emotional person. Yeah. I don't display it. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, when you're not present, you can feel the difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think most. Yeah. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. Ah, very good. Yeah. Yeah. So they know you've listened. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I really like about that is that you got the timer because. Again, what could be really distracting is when people are looking at their watches, can't it? So I love that because they, he probably, or he or she wouldn't notice that so much, but it just helps you know that, you know, I am going to be present, but you're paying attention to the timer. But I think. Yeah. Yeah. It is really hard. It is hard. Any other reflections? The, yeah. The challenge of, um, I guess, the 
downside of not being present with people is that then they become tasks. Yes. So yeah. because what you're saying is, okay, <laughs> I'm going to give this person my two hours mm. or whatever, or I've set aside this time, um, but really I'm like, okay, now, now I've done it. And, but but so in, unfortunately, in so doing, you've made them a task yeah. to, be, to achieve. And that's yeah. it. it's like, that's not at all what you want. But the reality is it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really hard, isn't it? Keeping our heart's desire. Again, it's where, what, what is your heart's desire? You know, our, what's in our heart, our actions will follow. I had a real, a real example of all of these things um, a day on, on Thursday. Um, so I took Iman, the, the Syrian lady and her daughter, to the hospital in the morning. And then I was like, okay. Go in with them and then see if she wants you to stay. And if she wants you to stay, you'll stay. By the way, I was trying to prepare my talk on time, which I just found hysterical. So <laughs> I'm like, I haven't finished my talk on time, but you know. So, but she had said, no, the translator's going to be here, so you go. I said, right. So I go. But anyway, we were taking um, a widower to um, the theatre that day at, in, in Guildford. He's 80. And um, so I really, I, I spent some time with the Lord in the morning. I thought, I've got to be grounded and centered because I really do want to give him the time. We've invited him. It's for his 80th birthday. Um, you know, he's quite lonely. And so, but I'm telling you this because I really had to try hard all day to say, I'm not going to be looking at my phone because it doesn't really matter because I've chosen to make this my time. But what I, what I experienced, and then we went out to dinner and he was telling his stories, you know, like 80-year-olds do. And, um, but what I actually found was because I had given myself that freedom just to be there, and also because I'd grounded myself and had my time with the Lord in the morning, um, that I really just enjoyed my time listening to his stories. And I was so much more present. And I wasn't sitting there going, I've heard that story before. Or, you know, <laughs> not really interested in that story. And I, at the end of the day, I was like, wasn't that great that I was alert and present? But I'm telling you that because I, I think somebody used the word work. You know, I had to really work it just saying, okay, don't look at your phone. doesn't really matter what else is going on. Just really stay with him all day. Um, and I was able to do that. And that was a practice. It's like a it was a discipline. But I, the joy that came from it was great. So I'm just sharing that because having done it, I was like, that was much better than if I would have been distracted and not paying attention because it meant that I was genuinely interested in paying attention to what he was saying. Um, so what I would say in conclusion, um, she looks at her watch. Um, <laughs> it's not about doing more, right? So when we start talking about the time thing. It's, this isn't about doing more, it's about doing less with our time, but thinking about what we, what's available to us. This isn't about trying harder, it's about trying less hard. It's not about doing better, it's about saying what we do is enough and having grace to just say, sometimes I get it right, sometimes I get it wrong, but am I, you know, where's my heart? I like you've got those, I'm enough, pictures in the kitchen, don't you? They're good reminders, aren't they? I'm enough. We're not being judged. It's not about pleasing everyone. It's usually about pleasing the sum. <laughs> and this isn't about more guilt. I really sensed this as I was praying about this. I just felt like the Lord wanted to say, this is not about having more guilt. It's about having more grace. It's about having more grace for yourself. So it's not tick, tick, tick. I'm, you know, I'm doing this. I'm not doing this, whatever. It's just saying, let's have some grace with myself. 
I just want to have the desire to create a rhythm of life where I create that space around my work and you know whatever that means, where I do have space for God, where I do have space for others, where I do have space for self. And that's the foundation from which I live, whatever that looks like, without saying there's rights or wrongs. One of the best examples I have ever come across is when Mother Teresa, I don't know if anybody's read any of Mother Teresa's books, um, but at the start of um, one of her, this was before she, she died, so it was one of her earlier biographies. And this is the day in the lives of the Sisters of Calcutta, who are famous, right, for what they do in Calcutta. Our lives are centered on the Eucharist and prayer. We begin our day with Mass, Holy Communion, and meditation. After Mass and breakfast, some sisters go to the home for dying destitutes, some to the leper colonies, some to the little schools we have in the slums. Some take care of the preparation and distribution of food, some go visit needy families, some to teach catechism, and so on. We always go in twos. We come back around 12.30. At that time, we have our lunch. <coughs> After lunch, we do housework. Then, for half an hour, every sister has to rest, because all that time they are on their feet. After that, we have an examination of conscience, pray the liturgy and the way of the cross. At 2 o'clock, we have spiritual reading for half an hour and then a cup of tea. <laughs> At 3 o'clock, we go out again. Between 6.15 and 6.30, everybody comes back home. From 6.30 to 7.30, we have adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. To be able to, do, to have this hour of adoration, we have not had to cut back on our work. We can work as many as 10 or even 12 hours a day in the service to the poor following this schedule. At 7.30, we have dinner, and after dinner for about 20 minutes, we have to prepare the work for the next morning. And I love this bit. From 8.30 until 9, we have recreation. Can you, just makes me laugh thinking about nuns playing basketball or something. Everybody talks at the top of her lungs after having worked all day long. But I love that, just the fact that, you know, the rhythm. At 9 o'clock, we go to chapel for night prayers and prepare the meditations on the next morning. Once a week, every week, we have a day of recollection. That day, we also go to confession and spend more time in adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. And this is the time when we regain our strength and fill up our emptiness again with Jesus. That's why it's a very beautiful day. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? So she created a rhythm by which she knew was sustainable. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. You know, we hear the stories about what they do and we picture them out on the streets of Calcutta all day, every day, 12 hours a day. But it's not like that. And even if they are doing 12 hours, they've built in everything. They've built in eating, they've built in the domestic, you know, the normal domestics, recreation, prayer, so that that rhythm is sustainable. And then um, one more to finish off. This is, um, there's a book called Whose Life Is It Anyway by Neil Hood. And um, I'll finish with this. We have to determine time allocation at the altar before we can hope to know how to manage all other relationships and demands which are part of our daily living. It is therefore less a matter of God having a time allocation in his mind than he keeping secret from, that he's keeping secret from us. <laughs> like, he, you know, he doesn't want us to know. There's some secret. He does not ask us to second guess him. But we are asked to start by building an altar. This involves being prepared to sacrifice our time, being willing to adjust our priorities, continually praying for guidance about the use of time, and so on. And so I finish with that. 
that there's lots of tips and techniques and you can we can all read books um, and we can all you know take heed in some of the things I've said today but I started this way and I finished this way it's at the altar where we decide and discern how we spend our time so that's what I'd be encouraging you to do is to be bringing your questions to the Lord in that times of silence and solitude and, and he will answer you he's not a silent God but we need to take the time to do that in order for us to know how we should be living our lives. So that's my thoughts finished. Is there anything anybody has left still looming? Any questions anybody still has? Or any final comment anybody would say as a community that's struck you today as well? Any words that might be you know, for everyone? You're all just in deep thought now. <laughs> yes. It's a constant, yeah, reflection. Yeah. Yeah. But just to, to remember that we, we are making choices yes. all the time. You know, it's just we, yeah, not to go, oh, I didn't have time, but we did make choices to get to, the, to where we're at. And I think to reassess it after a talk like today is, is probably a, a really good thing. Yeah. Here we pen and paper and do yeah. it, but, you know, with your heart and your mind. Yes. Yeah, it's a great, and maybe as a carry forward, you say, Actually, next week I'm going to do a little log and see, you know, what choices I am making and when and how discerning I was and how did it feel and you know, because you'll know you have a sense of peace if it's, you know, if if you're right in the in the right rhythm. Um, and also as a parent, you know, what you're modelling that song. You know, yes. Of your kids. Yeah. So really yeah. Yeah. And then personally, what struck me also was then what are, what am I modelling to the world? What would they be drawn to my lifestyle and want to know more about Jesus because they see um, how I'm living my life? Yeah, Phil, what were you going to say? that that message that 
how much we're being influenced um, by these industries that are convincing us. And we don't even know it. I think that's the, the whole thing about being wired. Good. No. Wow. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I missed a slide out, didn't I? Which probably covers both of those. Yeah. I hadn't noted that that came from Netflix because I was interested in this bit. Yeah. Yeah, sleep is now a symbol for the shrinking part of our lives that we are not paying attention, browsing, or consuming. <laughs> Good. So what I would say is whatever you know landed with you today, find the person that you normally talk with these things about and keep carrying it forward because we trust that we did this in the spirit and that whatever landed was, um, there was a reason for that. Yeah? So thank you very much for inviting me into your journey with simplicity, um, love, and justice.